As humans, we often struggle with context when it comes to our faith and regularly fail to apply the Word of God in our daily lives. Verita's podcast is a weekly Bible study led by Rev. C.B. Samuel and through it, we try to understand and locate the roles we are called to play in the world we live in by delving into the teachings of the Holy Bible. We welcome you to join us in learning more from the Word of God and in learning how to live out meaningful lives as Christians. Uh, we are in chapter 8 of Hebrews and uh, as I said last time that it's the beginning of a very exciting uh, you know uh, part of this book because the writer Hebrews uh, writer of Hebrews has basically been showing that uh, Jesus is superior to the angels to Moses and uh, you know to the priesthood, but now he begins to show what generally, what specifically, not generally, what specifically uh, is the message that he wants to communicate is that uh, with Jesus, we have something which is totally different from what we have experienced, or at least the Jewish community with the religion that they had. And I think this is remarkable, uh, the way he takes it. And so I want to look at chapter 8, and if possible, up to verse 10 of chapter 9. I may not go up to 10. Uh, let's see how uh, we can manage. But um, this is what he says. You know, at the end of his seven chapters, he tries to summarize in chapter 8, verse 1. He says, now the main point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by a mere human being. He said that's basically what he says we are trying to show that this is the main point is that we do have a high priest who sat down at the right hand at the throne of the majesty in heaven, who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by a mere human being. Basically, what he wants to say is that, yes, we have a high priest who's so different from the other high priests that are there in religions because he says he has completed his work and is seated on the right hand of the throne of the majesty and he serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle. And so that's basically what he wants to show in chapter 8 till chapter 10, that how in Jesus Christ we have something which is totally different. As I said last time, religion has got a lot of rituals and regulations, but when it comes to Jesus, he redefined all of that. And therefore, following Jesus is a totally different kind of activity compared to religion. In fact, he goes on to say, I think it is in chapter 9, in verse 11, 
you know, which is not a passage which we're going to look at today. He says, when Christ came as a high priest, as high priest of the good things that are now already here. He says, when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here. He is called the high priest of good things. And those good things are not those which are yet to come, but they are already here. That means in Jesus taking over as the high priest, all that are promised, which he calls the good things, have already started. So very important observation the writer of Hebrews would make about Jesus is that we have a high priest and in him we have what he says that he's called the high priest of good things and good things which have already started functioning. What are those? That's why he says Jesus is very different. In Jesus Christ, we have received and continue to receive a lot of good things. And whereas the other high priests did not, were not instruments through which we received any good things, but basically the other high priests were people who carried out a responsibility. And so Jesus is very different. And the very fact that even that responsibility, which those priests did, when Jesus did it, he did it much better. And so that's what it's going to look, we are going to look at in chapter eight. Every high priest, he says, is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices, verse 3. And so it was necessary for this one also to offer something. He says this one means he means about Jesus who is the new high priest for us. He also had to do that like other high priests offering gifts and sacrifices. And, if, and he says, but the gifts and sacrifices Jesus offered was totally different. And in fact, he says, if Jesus was on earth, he could not have performed those sacrifices and gifts because there were already enough priests around. So he says in verse 4, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest for there are already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. And he says, of course, they serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses had warned, was warned that he was to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown on the mountain. So there was a pattern that was given to Moses and there was an original which was in heaven. So the tabernacle on earth was not actually the final one. It was only an, in a replica of the original. And so Moses was told, be careful, do it just like it was given to you. But now Jesus does not actually serve in this sanctuary that was built by hand by human beings. But he says in verse six, in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior as theirs of which he is mediator is superior to the old one since the new covenant is established on better promises. So he says, now Jesus is very different. Firstly, he said, Jesus is actually seated on the right hand of the most high. Now they say that in the original temple, which was built and where there was the most high place where the priest went in to serve, 
there was no seat for the high priest. That means they had to do it regularly. But Jesus had completed his work. That is why it says he was seated on the right hand of the Most High. And then he says he serves in a tabernacle which is not the earthly tabernacle. He serves in that which is in heaven, which he says, in, which is the original. It says the true tabernacle. So that is already two things. And the third thing that he says is, and Jesus is the mediator of what he says, a new covenant, a new covenant. Of course, the old uh, tabernacle and all the worship was based on an old covenant. And he says, this new covenant is superior since the new covenant is established on better promises. He said it's totally something that is different from the old. It's got better promises and therefore it is totally different. Now the question therefore is, was there a problem with the old covenant? Why did God actually you know, make, he says later on, I think it is in verse 13, he says the old covenant is obsolete. The old, there are many covenants in the Old Testament. Of course, the first would be the covenant he made with Noah, not to destroy the earth with water. Then he made a covenant with Abraham. Then he made a covenant with David. And now all these covenants that God made with the people of Israel and their leaders had a problem. And so what happens is that the writer of Hebrews quotes a passage if we find in verse 8 onwards. He quotes a passage there which is uh, from Jeremiah where there is the mention of a new covenant and explains what, in what way this new covenant is different. So let me read that quote. He says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel. He says, after that time, this was a prophecy that was given to Jeremiah, which is what people were expecting to happen when the Messiah comes. And when the Messiah came, now the writer of Hebrews says that covenant has been established. And if you remember, you know, when Jesus broke bread with his disciples before he was arrested, he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. He was introducing the new covenant. And what does it mean? He says, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. The first thing is that there will be an internalizing of the requirements of God. Earlier, the law was given to the people and they had to learn to obey it. But now all those commands, the requirements of God are put into our heart. And I will write and he says, I'll put my laws in their minds. And so basically what happens is, one, we know when Jesus came, he taught about the law and he said, all the law is fulfilled in this commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your spirit, all your soul. And then he said, love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, all law is actually summarized in that. And then he says, if you fulfill this law, 
If you fulfill it, you'll fulfill all the laws. That's what basically what the scripture would say. That all the laws of the Old Testament which were given are fulfilled in this particular law that you love God and love your neighbor. And when we come to a relationship with God, God makes a new covenant in which this law now becomes internalized enough in our heart and in our mind. And that would be mainly because God's Holy Spirit is given to us and our whole and the Holy Spirit in us continues to shape us, creates in us, as Paul says, we are constrained by the love of God. You know, the spirit of God in us actually produces the fruit of God. And so it is not so much the law which is outside. Now we are made capable of keeping the law. The second thing he says is that I will be their God and they will be my people. I will be their God and they will be my people. The new covenant is something in which once this is a relationship that is established, we are called the children of God. Paul would write and say, and I think it is in Ephesians. He says, earlier you were no people. Now you are the people of God. We are the children of God. So basically he says, earlier God had rejected them. So the prophet Jeremiah said, God will one day, you know, once again, restore you into a relationship in which there would be, God would be their God and you will be the people of God. The third thing that happens, he says, no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. What happens is with the coming of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, the Spirit will teach you. And so when we walk aligned to the Spirit, when, as Paul would say, when we walk in the Spirit, what happens is the spirit plays the role of a teacher. Of course, we need spiritually gifted people to teach us. But there will come a time when we would be mature because as we practice the exercise of the gifts of the spirit, Paul says in Ephesians, what will happen is we will all grow together into the unity in the knowledge of God. There will come a time where there would be no need for any external teaching. We will all from the great least to the greatest. He says, all of us will know God because the knowledge of God will fill the earth because this is the new covenant. All of us will have a deep knowledge of God. That's why Paul was striving so hard to actually teach people. And in fact, the writer of Hebrews would say, by now, you should all be teachers. There was no expectation that the body of Jesus Christ will have always, maybe new believers have to be taught, but all believers will move in their place of maturity of knowledge where they will be able to know God. And then the fourth thing that he says is that, and I will forgive their sins, wickedness, and will remember their sins no more. And that is a very important part of this whole, uh, you know, uh, the whole uh, new covenant is that there is forgiveness. That new covenant is a covenant which is established by God forgiving us. And that's why when the new covenant is or started off 
with Jesus breaking bread with them and said, this is my body that is broken for you, for you. And this is the blood that was shed for you because there is the forgiveness that we have. So very important what Jesus says and what the writer of Hebrews says is what Jesus has come to establish is a new covenant, a relationship with God, not based on legal requirements, not based on rules and regulations, but a growing relationship with God in which God's spirit will is in us and continue to shape us to that extent that we will all be mature in Christ. That is what the new covenant is about. The new covenant is not simply, you know, giving us a label saying that we are the children of God. It is a new covenant in which we are made into the form of Jesus, transformed into the image of Jesus. So he says in verse 13, by calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete and what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear now jesus himself said he did not come to abolish the law but to fulfill the law so the new covenant will not be contradictory in terms of the expectations which were there in the old covenant but the old covenant was not able to make us become what god wanted us to become it told us what God wanted us to become, but not made us capable of it. But the new covenant is something in which God, through Jesus Christ, has established a process by which we now enjoy not only a relationship with God, but actually a process by which we will meet the requirements of God. So he says, goes on to say in chapter 9, now, the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. And so in verses 1, I think till verse 10, he talks about that earthly tabernacle. And he talks about its construction and how it was, you know, there was a most holy place behind the curtain. He says in verse 3, and which had a golden altar of incense and gold-covered ark. He talks about all the details. And then, of course, the writer of Hebrews would say in verse 5, and above the ark were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the atonement cover. But we cannot discuss these things in details now because what the writer says is that his purpose is not to do a class on Old Testament, but basically about the new covenant. So he says here, we cannot discuss these things in details now. I'm looking at verse 5. So he says, this, this is not something which I want to do now. But he says, when every, you know, going back to the priest, even though he says that he goes back to explain, when the priest had arranged all of this like this, the priest entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. You know, the priest used to come there and they'll do all the work, but only the high priest entered the inner room. And that also only once a year, the Passover time, and never without blood. He took the sacrifice of lambs and goats, as he would say it, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people that the people had committed in ignorance. There were, there were laws, there were punishments which were given in the old law for sins which were done knowingly. 
but there are sins which are done he says out of ignorance and that is where the sacrifice came and they went to god so that god would forgive their sins now the holy spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first ta tabernacle was still functioning as long as the first tabernacle was functioning this process continued once a year the high priest will go and he will sacrifice for his sins and for the sins of the people but we nobody knew what was inside other than the high priest and that too not for a long time you know and only once a year and so it was clear that the high that the most high place was actually covered or not it was supposed to be a place which was not for public to get in now this is an illustration for the present times indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshipers what a lovely statement the old covenant was all rules and regulations but it was all external it did not clear the heart of a person and it says in the old covenant it was not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper the worshiper went into the presence of god and performed the sacrifice the priest offered but what was happening is it did not clean them in the inside in fact he says they were only they are only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings external regulations applying until the time of the new order so basically what happened was the old covenant had, was all external you know and that is a problem with religion it it doesn't cleanse us in the inside it doesn't make us better people in fact later on we will see it next week you know it says in verse 14 how much more then will the blood of christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to god cleanse your our consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living god the old new covenant has the capacity not just to tell us about what is God's requirement, but meet those requirements in us. So basically, he says that is why Jesus is totally different. Jesus was not one of the high priests who performed the rituals and regulations which were required under the old covenant. His act, because he offered himself, it says in verse 14, with the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God what happened is he is now seated at the right hand of god serving god and serving would be largely interceding for us and actually what happens is introduce the new covenant and in this new covenant there is a very important role it is internalization of the requirements of god in our heart in fact jeremiah's prophecy in another place would say ezekiel also god will take away the heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh and then he says i will pour out my spirit on you so the new covenant the central experience is the experience of the holy spirit being given to us that is very significant because the holy spirit was not given to us basically to give us gifts of the holy spirit 
It was given to us, as Paul would say, so that we can call God as Abba Father. The Spirit helps us to do it. The Spirit intercedes on our behalf and the Spirit works in us so that the fruit of the Spirit is produced and we are being transformed into the image of his son. So let me stop here. I know that, uh, you know, I came late, but I thought we should stop at seven uh, so that we don't take too long. And if you have any questions, any comments, we will continue next week. Uh, we will look at verse 11 of chapter nine, and I'll try and see whether I can finish till the end of 10th chapter. So the writer of Hebrews main emphasis is Jesus is not like, you know, he may have the same title as a priest, but he is not like the same priest. And therefore, all that we were doing earlier, you know, old covenant or religion, he says, are all obsolete. I like the word he uses, outdated. And the unfortunate thing is that because man loves religion, we continue to do that which is outdated. Uh, I remember when I was visiting the US, I think many, many years ago, my brother-in-law took me or my brother-in-law and my friend took me to an Indian stall. And I was, I was surprised that in that Indian shop there, uh, I found, uh, you know, a biscuit packet, Indian biscuit packet, you know, in an American shop and it was Parley G. You know, so I was surprised they had a Parley G biscuit packet there. So I was asking, why would anybody buy Parley G? You know, I said that's because of the sentimental attachment. There's nothing wrong with Parleji. You know, many people dip it with tea and coffee and have it and that. But I was surprised, you know, in the Indian shop in India, see, they have very good sale for Parleji biscuits, you know, in the Indian shop. So uh, I think sometimes religion is more a sentiment that we are attached to rather than it actually fulfilling the role of God of liberating us to actually experience God and be transformed. If religion does not transform us, I think what Bible would say is that then it is not from God. And that's something that we must remember because these days there's a lot of religion, whether it is Christian faith or uh, other religions. I think the more religious people become, they are less transformed. You know, and I think we will have to ask ourselves the question, as to is my relationship with God a transformational relationship? And that's what Jesus came to do. Thank you for taking time out and being a part of this Bible study. Veritas podcast is a podcast run by students and we upload every week on Wednesdays. If you find our content engaging and wish to know more, kindly subscribe to our podcast channel. Thank you for listening and we hope that